1: If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, catching a slip makes you grin, and above all you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast.
2: what's going on ladies and gentlemen you already know who it is i don't even need to tell you who it is because you're here right so uh so cheers to you uh noticeably different background this week because i uh have the my office is the staging area for christmas decorations as soon as um you know the turkey is done being eating eaten we will switch immediately over into christmas mode so my Office becomes the staging area for said things. We're going to go ahead and crack a beer, get after it. Um, I say get after it like there's like some big laundry list of things to do. There's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. Um, I will have a guest here at some point. Adam Kaplan from AC Radio is supposed to swing by. He's having technical difficulty, and I was like, you know what, man? I only got a little bit tonight anyway, so what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and get started. Whenever you can figure it out, you hop in and I'll plug you in. If not, I'm not, uh, I ain't scared to sit here and just profess my love to the void. Um, We can start, we can start with a couple different things. Namely, this last weekend. Oh, see, he's popping in right now. So, namely, this last weekend, absolutely smacked, plus 12 units, Um, so crushed. All right, Um, Adam's in the back. If you can uh if you can hear me and everything's good, man, give me a thumbs up. I'll plug you in. Good. I think you're good. All right, cool. He's like half thumbs up. It was like in between, like. Yes, What's sir. What's up, buddy? How we doing, man? Good, good, good. You got everything figured out?
1: Uh not quite. We're not <laughs> at a, we're not at the AC radio standard because I'm missing my USB C key, but can you hear me loud and clear?
2: You're good, man. You're good.
1: All right, so I think we're good.
2: Yeah. So it's been a long time coming. Um, Yes. You and I sitting down and talking. I mean, we've exchanged messages for a couple months now, but we needed to. uh, Oh, well, cheers to you, by the way. Um, You know, try to get something to work and then we had to push it off for a little bit. And Now here we are. So uh, how's everything going, man? How are you?
1: Very good. I mean, uh, I'm happy that we are now more than pen pals. So that's uh, that's great. I'm looking yeah. forward to talking about betting, a little bit of that turkey talk, and uh, everything else that comes with it.
2: I'm glad you mentioned pen pals. Did you ever? Do you have a pen pal growing up?
1: Uh, I I didn't have one through school, but I guess yeah. because growing up in the '90s, there was all these weird online interactive games where you're oh, randomly yeah. connecting with
2: people. I I guess I have in other ways. Oh, dude, I I remember it was like fourth or fifth grade we had like a writing campaign in school where we would pick like we have my teacher had like a a book of like zip codes because it's like pre-google and we would look up zip codes and then like just elementary school at zip code and send it out with like a pen pal letter in it and see if you could get something back I sent all my shit to Alaska every time all of I picked nothing but Alaska ones I never got anything back never really yeah everything my my stuff's in the ocean somewhere man they just dumped it out they're not doing that it's like a letter to santa they just throw that shit away yeah <laughs> well i i actually
1: heard a crazier story where a client of mine was uh was pen palling with a fella for probably five years and then they randomly by coincidence connected on xbox live
2: oh Without was, knowing
1: yeah, I, I used to have a pen pal in, in in high school and it was this guy from Montreal, Canada. And, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this guy was like, kind of sounds like me. And he's like, well, I used to write to someone in New York, et cetera, et cetera. And anyways, they ended up finding each other, which part of me now so that I'm saying it out loud, it's like, I feel like it's one of those too good to be true stories.
2: Are they married now?
1: Uh, they aren't, but maybe, maybe secret lovers on the weekends. It's 2022.
2: Love is love, right?
1: Listen, love (laughs) is blind, baby. Love is blind.
2: (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. So I never had a pen pal, Uh, but I have, I have met people on like Xbox live and then hung out with them. And then obviously the show is no different. Um, I'm sure doing your own podcast now you've got, you've got a group of people. I'm sure that, you know, uh, you would have otherwise not connected with. Um, that you now share a bit of a kinship with. So how long have you been podcasting and doing this side of things?
1: Uh, Officially 2020. I dabbled a little bit in MMA uh, live radio in 2014-2015, but for the most part, uh, 2020, I started the unanimous decision. It was an audio-only podcast and and, uh, did about 20, 30 episodes there. Really enjoyed it, but was kind of getting sick of the direction that MMA was going in. I kind of felt like every other weekend we had a card. And from a betting standpoint, that's great. But like from a storyline standpoint and an actual like quality over quantity standpoint, it wasn't really there for me. So I took a little bit of a break and then I rebranded with AC Radio in April. And that was just basically to more or less always still have my fight talk, but on the flip side also kind of have that option open where if I'm not feeling it that weekend, I'll talk about some of my other passions and some of the other things that are, are are popular out there, you know, fitness, motivation, etc. So that's how I got started in it. And as you can see, I never have a short answer to give. So that usually helps on podcasting.
2: It helps a ton. It helps a ton. Uh, Being, Semi in love with the sound of your own voice is a key proponent to successful podcasting. And too often, I think you get people that love the idea of radio or podcasting or speaking, but don't love the idea of speaking themselves. So it's it's very difficult. Um, and I have a it takes a it takes a great balance to not overpower people with the idea of just being able to go on runs. So. Let me ask you this, your, your setup, um, for those who are uninitiated and I hope a lot more become after this, uh, dude, you got, you have a high quality setup. You you went all out with the camera equipment, with the microphone, with the, you got like the, I'm sitting here talking amongst boxes, like a guy living in a storage unit, but you've got like the studio real crystal clear and clean in the back and all that stuff is, was that intentionally? design did you have that space and then converted it what's like what is how did this come to be and then what is your goal for ac radio it's a great question i uh haven't had the pleasure of being asked that right now we're in the
1: quick <laughs> studio which is basically when i set up just my laptop and then i set up one softbox light to kind of yeah. bring in a little bit more clarity on the camera because the laptop one's a little bit uh, trash we'll call it mm-hmm. but uh where i record the actual show ac radio is inside of uh inside of my garage where i have a gym built in there and that's where i also run my personal training business out of so okay. i kind of have a good two for one where i've got a cool setup that's relevant to what i talk about and it's also you know where i spend a, a pretty good amount of my time where i run my business out of um I got two two Canon cameras, which uh, was worth the investment just to cut to two different angles. And obviously, that brings in a lot more of the clarity. But the secret is in the lighting when it comes to the setup. It's yeah. all about the lighting, man. Like, uh, you, you get those softbox lights in front of you, you could be a corpse and they'll make you look good. So that's the best part about it.
2: Everybody gives me shit about my lights, and I just don't care about it at all. I, I, I try to. I tried to care about it, but I just I don't know. I It's... To me, but I, I get your point. I feel like I'm I'm not I'm not an incredibly handsome dude. I feel like like you to your point, it make a corpse look good. Um, I agree. I, it does make it makes a huge difference. It's just um, just hasn't been one of those things I've got myself to care about. But anyway, sorry I cut you off. You're talking about lighting. Go.
1: Well, I mean, as as they do say, uh, perhaps you have a face for radio.
2: I hundred <laughs> percent. I, I absolutely do. It's it's a hundred percent. Which. Which is a miracle. Um, to tomorrow, will be eighteen years um, married to my wife. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Which is no small feat in and of itself. Definitely and, not. Um, especially when you have a face made for radio, because um, the the resounding universal opinion has always been, how on earth does this work? Like people either think that I have a ton of money. Or I'm just swinging a hammer, and neither one of those things are true. <laughs> so I think it's just—I think it's just my charming personality, uh, and and I, I put a ring on it very early, man, very early before she got too smart. So <laughs> wow,
1: eighteen years—that is some 18, feat. I yeah. mean, uh, that that that's a long time. Yeah. I, so when uh, did I, you get engaged when you were twelve?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was right around there. It was right around there. I actually. Very unromantically, and this is about as unromantic as a as an engagement story gets. I proposed to her via letter while I was in basic training. Oh shit like didn't didn't do the like I didn't like give her a ring until I came back and then gave her a wedding ring very soon thereafter because there was no extended engagement, nothing. um i I wrote her a letter from basic training basic for the homie thing a better way. Uh, simply stating that, um, after this, I'm going to be stationed someplace and I don't want to be anywhere where you aren't. And the only way they'll let you come with me is if we get married. So we should get married. And it took about a week and she wrote me back and she was like, that's it. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Nice. So I got back, um, and we got like shotgun wedding like that. It was me and my best friend. He was my only groomsman and her and her sister only bridesmaid um the church we grew up in you know it was just like 10 people in there we were in and out dude um typical northeast wedding we did like the reception in in the basement of the church you know wow. where like where like they do the you know all like the youth group and stuff uh very bootleg but dude it was perfect and it's been 8 to 18 years man um yeah it's been a long time but you know 18
1: 18 great years and one of the words you have to describe
2: your wedding is very bootleg. I love it. And, well, I mean <laughs> dude, we we didn't have any we didn't have a DJ. So like we were like we had a boom box. Oh, I and, love that. Dude, we had a boom box. and then the o- like the only CDs I had were like heavy metal and rap, so there was like nothing to do. So my wife ran um before the the reception, she ran to the Dollar General and bought a now that's what I call R&B CD and put it in so that was the music that was playing at my reception
1: dude r kelly must have been all over that album dude
2: man. no it was it was like r kelly there was some some next some too close you know some silk some oh dude there's all kinds there was all kinds of good stuff on there man wow yeah now that's what i call r&b so that's a good one um so yeah 18 years man so i i creeped your Instagram, obviously. Um, because I, you know, I try to, I try to be that guy. I saw that, you, you know, just recently, maybe recently, fairly recently, you tied the knot. So, um, you know, how's that, how's that married life going for you? What's, what's, what's going on there? How's everything on that front? You good?
1: Married life is cool. I've been with my wife now for, uh, we've been married since September 15th, 2019. So yeah. not so long, but we've been together since 2011, Okay. So uh, we've been together quite a while, and uh, married life is cool, man. I mean, it's nice having your your own place. I mean, we, we got married, and then we moved in together. There was no uh, feeling out process before, oh, so I we kind of did it the old-fashioned way. I love but, that. But uh, that's all great, and then uh, we just had our son in July, so yeah. he's been awesome, and that's a great addition to the house. I mean... I, uh, I I didn't really think that you would uh, be able to really care or love for something that quickly. But uh, that that definitely hits you hard in the feels. So, you know, in a short amount of time, we've had a lot of big changes, marriage, buying a home, having a, having a son, et cetera. And to be real with you, I mean, not to play casual, but everything feels right. Everything's nice and easy when you chose the right one. I'm a personal trainer, so I'm around people all day, Dale. All I hear is 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 um, the unhappiness that people live uh, Mm. outside of the hour that I'm with them. And the majority of that is chalked up to either not being able to find the right partner or perhaps being with someone and being at the point in your life now where you're like, if I either got to settle with what I got or I got to go back out into the wild and you'd be surprised how many people out there be settling.
2: Dude, I'll tell you what terrifies me. I'm not scared of much. Um, I, I, contrary to the uh, what the the Dustin Poirier, the new Dustin Poirier catchphrase. What did he say to What did he say to Chandler after he beat him? Without fear, there is no bravery. Right. I I, I I freaking love Dustin Poirier because he like his whole house must be decorated in signs from Hobby Lobby that just have little <laughs> dumbass catch phrases all over them the dude is like his nickname should be dustin live laugh love poirier because oh, that's fuck like, man that was brutal <laughs> oh you got that's, him. How should, that's how it should be i, I can't i mean it, dude when when he puts on gloves and he, he starts punching people in the face there's not many more people on earth that are more exciting to watch commit violence on another person i i, I would i would pay honestly i'd pay a hundred dollars a week subscription to see Dustin Poirier beat up pedophiles. That would be, I I would, I would pay for that. I couldn't imagine something, a better spend, of, like spending, I would supplement my 401k to see that happen, okay? Now, that being said, he got to like, I, Cejudo be damned, I've talked to Henry. Dustin Poirier got to be the cringiest dude on the planet and nobody calls him that. He's got to be, he's got to be, you know. Um, gosh, I got so lost on that, I forgot where I was going. Without fear, there is no bravery. Being scared. Oh, yes, there's not a whole lot of things that are scary. But the idea of, the idea of going back out into the wild, as you call it, I would, I, I would not. I, I, I would not. I could not. I don't understand. Um, as my man Boston Bruce Betts says here, uh, Dale proposed via mail. Kids today can't talk to each other without Tinder. It's unreal. Yeah. The, the idea of having to meet someone right now is enough to like, give me a freaking panic attack. Like I could not physically start anything meaningful with anybody. It, th- one of the things I love about podcasting and the internet is that you and I can get together and talk and I don't actually have to meet you. Like, you That's
0: know,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, but it's great. Like we can do this without yes. having to do all the other stuff, you know what totally. I mean? And then to do like to to then move it past that to friendship to intimacy. Oh God, oh. no, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Well,
1: well, I mean, also there 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 are other things that make it complicated. It's like, uh, does she have kids? Mm. You, you know, do you have kids? Do you want them to meet the kids? Then it's here, it's there, mm, it's all dude. these things. And funny story, me and, me and my wife were in L.A. once. We were front row at the uh, not the Laugh Factory. The comedy room or something whatever okay. the comedy store we were yeah. front row at the comedy store and i knew it was a bad fucking idea but they sat us where they sat us and this guy uh the comedian looks at us and he's like how long you been together we're like eight years he's like where'd you meet so i got a bar so you see he went up to you and like started talking to you she's like yeah he's like gonna make fun of you i'm impressed he's like fuck i don't even have anything to say he spoke to her in person like uh <laughs> yeah. you know and and to add to what boston brew said it's uh uh tinder is like uh grocery shopping for people mm. you know it's like being in the cereal aisle ah, this mm. week i think i want honeycombs and then it's like at the last second you're like nest nesquik and then you just fucking ghost that other person and go right to the next oh. one and Man. Everybody is. Uh, everybody is ready to pick and choose like they're the next hot commodity. But I'll be real with you out there on those apps. You got more. Stay the fuck away from them. than please come to me.
2: So yeah. I have a. I have a personal vendetta against Tinder and dating apps. I. I really. I really do. I. I. I don't want to get on too much on a, on a soapbox here, but. Um, I am a little bit here. I I I believe that there's like full blown degeneration at work with stuff like that. Totally, and this is where this is where I get preaching. I'll get messages about it. I'm sure um, it it leads to the devaluing not only of the self but of the connection between two people, because you take something that's supposed to be intimate and you make it almost inanimate and you animalize it and I that's not what we are designed for. That's not what people are for. And as a as a parent, um, as a parent, it hurts my heart because I'm i I'm a parent of both a boy and a girl. Um, so I see that I see the effects on both, but I also believe it's it basically equates to like low grade pornography, which anybody that's listened to my show for any period of time knows that I have a deep rooted um biblical wrath towards I I, I have no I, I just don't deal, deal with that at all and um.
1: so let's be clear
2: here Dale is yeah. not a porn guy no no not at all I it's it honestly it's it's like I said it's the degeneration of this of the self internal um, and, and I, I hate that and I, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to push that on anybody but I just I would I would I would caution somebody to examine the the genesis of why you feel the way you feel about those things and I will leave it with this is that the urge to look at porn activates the same portion of the brain that heroin addiction does. And it's almost, it's akin to trying not to shoot up once you get the idea in your brain that you're going to look at porn. That's, that's not, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm a salesman by trade. I just, I'm just, that's proven fact. You can Google it if you'd like. Um, But I just, anyway, the idea of Tinder as a whole, um, I don't like, but I'm glad you brought up cereals because I want to know your top cereal of all time. Oof, number one, number one cereal. Like, if you, oh, you like, man. this is it. I got to sit down. And personal training thing aside, I'm I'm in my fields. I'm gonna crush a whole fucking box of cereal. What am I gonna eat? Oh man, I'm gonna get so roasted for this. No, you're not. No, uh, there's no there's guess. no wrong, unless you say sugar smacks. There is no wrong answer. Oof! I don't know what that is. With the frog, the little like toasted oat things are brown. No this way. is where I wish we had in, producer in, Jake in
1: Canada. The cereal section is like uh, we we had more vaccine uh, vaccine companies <laughs> than cereal box companies. It's not quite the same. Okay. Uh, I guess I'm gonna go with uh, you like that one. I'm gonna go okay. with honeycombs. I honeycombs are like great. Yeah.
2: Those are great, dude. I love love them. What about you, Dale? What are we rocking with? Oh man, I was honestly I was a big Frosted Flakes guy. I could just, I could murder like Frosted Flakes, like a whole, like a whole thing. That's Um, a good call. I I like this. Let me. I want to get your. I want to get your take on this. Obviously, your son's not old enough yet, but um, do you keep your kids off social media? Um, He says I do because I don't trust it, and everyone gives me shit about it. My kid will decide when the right time for social media is for himself. Hmm. So, yeah, 100% would like to uh, prolong that as much as possible. Yes. Uh,
1: one of the reasons is, is I find the accessibility and the communication that the students could also have with, uh, you know, that, that you're, that our children could have with their fellow classmates, sometimes, you know, having too much of that accessibility is more of a detriment than a good thing. Hmm. We used to just have to knock on someone's door or, speak or call. Hey, is uh, so and so home? And you know what, if you really didn't want to talk to them, your parents would just lie for you and say no, they're not. Yeah. Uh, Now, like you go home and like you could get fucking message by anybody and anything. Um, So I think that toning down that accessibility for sure. And another thing too is, is like, how many of us are caught surfing on like some random page at 230 in the morning that we have no fucking clue why we're there, but we are there. Yeah. uh imagine how many times that's happening when when you're not in the room with your kids so i definitely think that uh you are at less risk and then lastly dude i got to be real with you uh a lot of creepers out there man a lot of fake accounts a lot of uh, a lot of yeah. people pretending to be who they're not yeah and uh i got to be real with you if i could avoid me having to commit a crime to defend my family as long as possible if i could prolong that i'll keep them off social media as long as possible
2: yeah i have i have a child that is social media age and um my wife and i have gone through great lengths to really kind of limit that exposure now um she you know still attends public school um so I, I i do not homeschool my kids yet i mean i would i would like to be in the position to do that uh however there there is there's an exposure level that happens at school and at some point in the very near future it'll be a conversation that you and your wife have to have um and the 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 amount of stuff that they're exposed to at public school alone is wild um so limiting social media is sort of like the only stopgap we have in that. Um, so she has a phone, but it's I mean, I call it a smartphone or it, you know, it's a smartphone in the sense that it's it's got more than just the ability to call somebody, but there she can't add apps to it unless we say so and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. You know, having a 13, 14, 15 year old boy or girl on Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram in my opinion is just you're setting them up for failure. I I I wish I wish I could go back whenever my parents brought computers home for the first time for us and gave my brother and I unlimited internet access. I wish I could go back and just be like, Hey, you know, I'm a dude in a time machine, but I'm telling you, don't, don't don't give your kid unlimited access to that computer. Yeah. Cause I was, you know, I was 11 years old watching dudes in Russia, getting their heads cut off with, with knives and stuff like that what nobody needs to see that dude no nobody needs to see no. that and you, you think well no 11 year old's gonna look at that I'm telling you right now dude I was looking I we were all looking at for that stuff like that man it's you know the first thing I did when I when they left is I typed in boobs in the search bar and then had no idea how to delete it so like my parents come back and it just says boobs boobs boobies big boobs and my mom's <laughs> like why are you searching for <laughs> I mean, That's so funny. You know, but I mean that was You know, 1998.
1: (laughs) I think I did that once and I uh, to get rid of it on the search bar, I typed in like 10 random websites afterwards (laughs) just to like push it down down. so you couldn't see it anymore. I was typing in MLB.com, NHL.com, NFL.com, blah, 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 blah.com. Like, fuck, man, I was choosing anything just because I wrote like boobs or like girl naked or some bullshit when I was like 10, 11 years old.
2: <laughs> yeah dude that's crazy and then oh gosh and then here you go austin says that's what TikTok's for dude i i've been on a crusade lately uh, this is this is not the right, direction is- are, are you
1: of the people that that believe that uh TikTok is a way for the chinese government to spy on us
2: well i think <clears throat> i mean i think they've said to an extent that there is code written in that somebody could backdoor it right but
1: oh bro apparently once you check off that dot like your site like the terms and conditions are not right. in the user's phase favor whatsoever
2: right um my my concern with stuff like tiktok is the acceleration of the decline of our attention spans okay um the idea that you have to have something every something new every eight 10, 12, 14 seconds, 20 seconds, because it it's that little tiny, just enough to keep you addicted to the teat dopamine hit. Um that's that's the stuff, man. And then TikTok just accelerates that cycle over and over and over again, one after the other. And yeah. it's it's brutal. And it it literally it reprograms your brain to need constant stimulation so that the moment that you're left without your thoughts or that you're left with your thoughts, rather, your brain goes into a starvation mode where like you feel the phantom vibrate. Like that's a real thing. The phantom vibrate and you're like, cause it's your body's teasing you saying you need to check something. I need you to look at something to give me that hit. And TikTok is accelerating that tenfold. Unprecedented amounts that we've never seen before. I tell it's people TikTok. all the time, delete that off your phone, but nobody everybody calls me crazy.
1: I'm uh I'm actually not a big TikTok guy. I have it to post some AC radio stuff, but I haven't been quite active on it. I just don't find um I don't know. I I I am just not a big fan of the app overall. I kind of look at it like as of a, a waterfall of social media. It's just like constantly just yeah. pulling down into you, reel after real after reel on that app. Uh, which isn't really for me. Also, like, if I'm looking at MMA, I don't really like getting distracted with, like, these stupid dances and, like, you know, people, like, doing all this dumb shit in front of the camera or whatever. Like, I am not doing that whatsoever, bro. Like, if they ever said, you know, like, a big outlet wanted to hire me or whatever and they were like, yo, man, like, gotta jump on this, like, little Tootsie dance or whatever, I'd be like, dude... I'm not like I'm not that guy, pal. Like yeah. uh, you better you better go get me a case of something. And yeah. There better be six or twelve in there because I ain't dancing otherwise. So I'm not a big TikTok guy, no personally. But uh, I will say that uh, you know one of the blessings and curses of being in like the podcasting game and all of these forms of social media is the fact that we have to be so much in the loop. Oh, you know, I, I mean it. that to me is where it it kills me. And, you know, you have the fear of being like, I got to be checking. I got to see what's up the latest in MMA news and what's the latest matchups, you know, that I'm going to place my bets. Who should I bet on? No, 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 no. You end up looking at all the time you put into it versus like what you're getting back out of it sometimes. And you're like, fuck.
2: Yeah. I went without social media until I started podcasting. Um, I did. The, I mean, Actually, obviously yeah. I set the, I set the Facebook page up. I did Instagram. I did Twitter that were all like under my name. Right. Um, and then I, I literally was like, you know, like all the at, you know, Dale Lippin and stuff. And I was like, you know what, dude, um, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I don't want to do it. And I went years without it. And then I decided to get into podcasting and every, like how to start a podcast article I ever read was like, Get your Instagram, get your Twitter, get your book, book, book. And I downloaded all of it and, you know, followed every fighter on the UFC roster and did the, you know, thing. And then I'm I dude, I was I mean, I was right back in it. And then at the time, my job had so much downtime because it was literally like just setting sales appointments. So like I was like I was either on a call and or I had time. You know what I mean? It was just chilling. And I'm just sitting there in my car in between appointments, doing whatever, and just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I'm like, you know, one of the great things that existed um, that I I wish I would have taken more advantage of was whenever Trey was doing the show with me, he handled the social media. Like and then on the weekends, I would be the ones, the one that would come through and message everybody and interact with people, you know, listeners or whatever on throughout the weekends for the fight cards. But throughout the week, he did all that stuff. And then when he left, it was like me doing it all the time. And then I immediately got the account a bunch of community strikes and all kinds of stuff because I'm not wired that way anyway. And then Zuckerberg (laughs) sent me a message saying, like, basically, the next strike, you're out. I got a 72 hour ban. He's like, next strike, you're out. So then I've, I've been off Instagram for three weeks now, uh, four weeks. I just logged on it today, and this is where we switch into MMA. This is my transition. I just logged into it today because I I wanted to hit up Drew Dober because uh, as Austin here so astutely shares with us, uh, Drew Dober and Bobby Green on twelve seventeen. So um, I messaged Drew to make sure that I could get him on the show both before and after the fight as is punchless custom um so we will we're in the process of getting that on hoping to have him on next weekend or next week um Big. but then we'll have him on that following tuesday as well as as is the custom so what is your what is your initial knee-jerk response to that that fight announcement drew dober versus bobby green in 12 that's a great fight so bobby green's not suspended he got a six-month suspension that was retroactive to the day he submitted the sample, which he immediately confessed to it. Um, so they gave him a lenient sentence, six months, and then that expired November set, or November 6th. So he is good to go. I mean, look, it's an exciting matchup. Both guys are
1: exciting. They like to push the balls to the wall, so that, that obviously makes it fun. I think they're two guys that are you know, have had their feet quite wet in the industry for quite a while now in their careers. So uh, that's why those are matchups that I actually want to see more of. You know, the fact that they put Frankie Edgar against Chris (laughs) (laughs) Gutierrez, it was criminal. Yeah. So these types of matchups make sense to me. I know that perhaps maybe there's a part of both of these guys that wish they could, you know, go on that title run again. But You know, uh, I think most importantly, what's best for Drew Dober and Bobby Green is is having the most exciting fights that they could have without being completely outclassed in the uh, matchmaking standpoint. Because I don't think either of these guys are going to win a title anytime soon, but these types of matchups like Bobby green and drew Dober now give them the opportunity to get to shoot for those performance of the night bonuses because both guys bring it. And another thing too, is it's on a little bit more even playing field due to, due to the experience. Yeah, it It's more well matched up.
2: Yeah. I, if, if I can, I'm going to share insider information here. Dober wants the Chandler fight. That's the fight he wants. I, 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 we, we we talked about it, you know, on the on the side, that's a fight that he wants because it's all action. Now, Dober's approach to the rankings and title contention and things like that comes solely from the fact that if he makes himself so incredibly fun to watch, people want to see what it looks like when you mix lightning with this or lightning with that he he's going off the idea of the chemical reaction. Yeah. You know what you're going to get with me? Fireworks. Put me against somebody so you can see what that looks like. And then ultimately, he wants he wants the Islam rematch. Um it, you know, I know I know that Islam submitted him, right? We all know that. But stylistically speaking, if you look at what happened in that fight outside of the Sarukian fight, Dober was Islam's biggest test because it took him till the third round to get a finish. The only person that was remotely close was Sarukian. And that because I believe that fight went to decision. So, um, you know, and then you can make the the argument that what's his face uh, that knocked him out was probably a bigger test. But even that's not the it's not really the way it works. Um, So, yeah, I think I I mean, if you're Drew's standpoint, if I could speak for another man, which you shouldn't do, but I'm going to do it a little bit. He wants to go out there and put on a performance against Bobby. This fight's been been talked about for years now because they've known each other when they were both regional. Um, And he wants to go out there and you know the the Alves fight was one thing. He wants to go out there make a statement against Bobby. And then I would not be I would not be shocked. Here's what I'm not shocked about. Um, I know Dan Hooker is is kind of you know trying to figure out what he wants to do at 145, Mm -hmm. Um, but you you will see dober if he goes out there and gets an emphatic win you're going to see him against somebody top 10 even though he's not in the top 15 and um anybody I'm telling you I talked to this guy he anybody can get it that dude wants anybody um and to be honest with you no ranked opponents are saying yes to him it's all unranked guys that are willing to say yes so so take take with that information what you will uh you know people are protecting that number so
1: well i'm not surprised that people are protecting that number i do understand that drew does want those matchups i just uh with the way chandler has been rubbing elbows with the ufc it's hard to believe that he uh would would be fighting anybody outside of the top 10 or the top 15 i mean right now maybe next for chandler the next guy that uh, could be in line besides uh, Conor McGregor is maybe Matuza's Gamrot. Yeah. But, That's a good thing. You know, I'm at like. the same time, let's be real here. I think the Dober is going to provide a more exciting matchup and probably bring something to the table that interests Chandler a lot more than Gamrot does. But at the same time, I mean, you know, Chandler is one of those guys. He's a company guy. I think he knows mm-hmm. that you know aside from mcgregor masvidal and a few others that number next to your name does matter at the end of the day which is why i do see how he would fight gamron but ultimately um you know i'm not sure what i what i'm not sure if we're ever going to see uh drew, drew dover get in there against michael chandler but uh one thing's for sure is is that bobby green matchup is a good one because like i said I love the Joe Lozon versus Donald Cerrone game plan, and, and I know that Bobby Green and Drew Dober are not in, in that boat. Right. Uh, but you know
2: we're not far off. Let's hmm. uh, let's be real. Ish. I, I think Dober's got more tread on the tires than Bobby does, personally. Oh, I completely agree with that for sure.
1: Absolutely. But you know, uh, I I don't know if if uh, if, if Drew is going to be able to hit that. Uh, Hit that matchup against Chandler because, like I said, I think the Chandler would go up to 170 and fight a name before he would do go down in the rankings.
2: Maybe, yeah. So let's talk about protecting the number. I, I like that you said that. Um, let's talk about the Izzy Pereira fight because obviously it's the biggest, one of the biggest shakeups that we've had so far this year, and it's coming right at the end of the year. But um, I I feel like Izzy's loss to Pereira was due in part to this idea of I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Champs have now adopted this formula, if you will, on how to get the how to get to the title shot. Fighters rather fighters have adopted this this formula, how to get to the title shot. And then if you're fortunate enough to win It's automatically a rematch, which I hate that the UFC is doing. So you got to beat the champ twice to become the champ. Um, And then it's it's a matter of fighting not to lose the belt, right? You're just fighting not to lose. And we saw it with GSP, who is, in my opinion, the GOAT. um, And he's guilty of it as well. Um, But you fight to not lose. And I feel like even with some finishes, which Izzy had over Costa... um, you could accuse him of fighting not to lose for a while, and then you know the the adrenaline surge that came from rocking Pereira in round one put him in—I don't want to say cruise control—but it kind of put him in cruise control for the next couple of rounds, where he was just trying not to get behind on the scorecards, and then ultimately got caught. Uh, so, in regards to protecting the number, what what's your opinion on how you see people? Um, really sort of doing exactly that, protecting the number. And then I I know, I know you have a, a background in boxing as well. MMA's shift towards this lack of forgiveness for a loss that we've been seeing in boxing for so long. In boxing, it's been one, two, three, God forbid, four losses and you're cooked, um, MMA is slowly making that transition, and then God forbid your champ, your losses come against the champ, because once they come against a champion, you're you're absolutely you're dead in the water. You're treading.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I uh, I think that there still is a lot of fighters in the UFC that uh, like a tie to a Vasa, like mm. a Derek Lewis, like a Jorge Masvidal, like a Nate Diaz, where even if they lose, they still win. Cause they have that marketability and that yeah. likability to them. Uh, but then on the flip side, you got a guy like Michael Chandler where people are like, dude, this guy's fucking done. Like uh, look at how much damage he's taken. Look at the wars that he's been in. Uh, there's no way that he could fight for the title. He's not even showing that he's uh, improving. It almost looks like he's getting worse in some ways um, in, in that regard. Yes. MMA fans have become quite brutal, but I think the good thing about MMA is the way that we push and the way that they push and promote the fighters always makes it a bit easier to uh, still cheer for them after they win. Whereas boxing, the culture is a lot worse, but we do, you are right. We do get some of that, especially with uh, the McGregors of the world and stuff. Usually when it's, when, when you're in that A plus tier, the McGregors, the Khabibs, pretty much anybody who's like in the top five in the lightweight division, et cetera, those guys get that hard flack every time they lose a fight. And uh, the whole notion of fighting not to lose. I mean, uh, this is, this is one of the old tales of, of the game. It's like guys are fighting three, four times a year. Then they win that belt. Then the first thing they do is take six, they six months to a year off. And then on top of that, it, to an extent, it gives off the impression that they're coasting a little bit in the fight to an extent. But I think Izzy, to be honest with you, um, if you really go and rewatch some of Izzy's fights, I think you'd be really shocked to say like, wow, that's the second greatest middleweight of all time. Like some of these <laughs> fights are just fucking boring, man. That's that's my that's my honest thing is like Izzy I find that Izzy has fought a lot to um you know basically stay above the water keep his opponents at risk always win in the most risk-free situation which I absolutely love but at the same time I got to be real with you when you replay some of the fights in your head Joel Romero, Jared Cannonier, like bro, I'll be real with you. Um, you got Kelvin Gastelum, Paulo, uh, Paulo, yeah, Paulo Tiago, Paulo, yeah, Costa, Paulo Costa. Sorry, yeah, Paulo Tiago. I'm thinking about the old like uh, Brazilian fucking cop that yeah. fought uh, years ago in the UFC, dude. Besides uh, uh, those guys, and uh, and uh,
2: the Whitaker fight, all of these fights haven't been that exciting. And Whitaker won the second fight, in my opinion. I think Whitaker won the rematch. Really? I do. I do. I believe Robert won that fight. I scored it for him. And I, as a person who, um, I I had no action on it, um, because I I got I honestly, when somebody takes your soul like he did the first time, it's tough for me to like bet on you coming back. Right? That, that something sticks with you that resonates. An ass beating like that resonates with you. So I had a hard time on Bobby Nux the second time. But I watched that fight and I thought Whitaker won this three rounds three rounds of two he won this fight that's his fight and they gave it to him and it's fine whatever I, I mean um, I, I I continue to cry about judging and I, I, I probably will until I, I no longer watch the sport anymore <laughs> It's just the, it's it's just one of those things uh, but yeah man I let me ask you this given the state of things, when you talk about growth, personal growth of of the fighters, skill set growth from a sport perspective, how to do, I don't think it's I don't think I'm I don't think I'm off in saying that boxing isn't a bit of a doldrum. It is in the doldrums right now. Um, there's some younger, exciting fighters. Uh, but the UFC is running dangerous, dangerously close with the amount of events they're doing. And the lack of star power currently, because they're not really pushing a lot of people. They're it's almost turning into like reruns. Like we're watching reruns of the office right now and trying to pretend it's new. yeah, um, like this
1: apex stuff is is, is it's it's for the birds.
2: It. It's for the birds, right? So um I as a person who loves violence, I enjoy it, right? And that's why I watch old fights as well as new fights, but I also like comedy, so I that's why we watch reruns of the office because um, it's good but that doesn't make it great so what does what what does the ufc in particular and we'll talk about boxing later what what does the ufc in particular in your opinion what's something they could do to institute that surge of new attention and eyes on the sport and maybe mix things up a bit do you have anything oh. Well, I mean,
1: first of all, I think that they had already achieved that in the pandemic due to the fact that a lot of sports weren't on. Mm, um, you know. And if And, you, you know, once you spend a little bit more time on Twitter and even Instagram, you'll realize that there are a lot of guys, MMA media pundits, personalities, news outlets, that have only really been created in the last few years due to the yeah. pandemic. You're talking to some of these guys – they don't even they don't even they couldn't even tell you what happened at UFC 100. It boggles yeah. my mind. And that's fine. And that's fine. But, you know, on the flip side, um, I do think that as much as it is an improvement to the sport to have such an influx of of newcomers to the sport, um, you got to realize that with the dangerous weapon in social media, Uh, You got guys on there that are talking that are like Monday morning quarterbacking it after an event. It's their second time watching a fight. So, you know, sometimes growth in the fight game could actually be a little bit of a detriment because fighting is human nature. Deep, deep down, everybody believes that if they needed to fight their way out of a situation, they believe deep down in their heart that they would be able to. That's sadly not the truth. OK, Ooh. that that is not the truth. Not everybody is going to be able to fight their way out of a situation because sometimes you're going to be faced with a matchup that you can not maintain. Ooh. Um and that's why when folks are watching fights, people start to give off the impression like, wow, like I could really do this because like I feel like I could could do that and whatever the case may be. It, it, it starts to falsify the sport a little bit sometimes, you know, like uh, you always wanted to trust some of the best football analysts were guys that played football, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So kind of similar in the sense of, of, of the fight game. So, you know, unfortunately I don't think necessarily it's about like, how could we get more people in here from the UFC standpoint? It's like, I actually think you're putting on way too many shows to to meet your TV deals. Uh, wants and needs, and I got to be real with you. There's a lot of guys that are fighting in the UFC right now that, if you re the clock ten years ago, they wouldn't come fucking close to the roster. Mm. They wouldn't even come mm. close.
2: Mm. What if? So it, it, I mean, I so I think we get as many. I think I think we get as many events as we do, largely because, and this is so, the UFC is run like a corporation. Yep. It's, it's not a governing body. So like, it's not the WBO, the WBC, the WBA, like where you are a independent contractor under a promoter, but you're fighting under, um, you're fighting for, you know, a, a belt, right? A governing body's belt. Whereas like, you know, if you and I are fighting for the UFC, we're like in the... Um, <laughs> I love the, fun, the so sorry. It just took me. I love this. Your name got to be Austin. Yes, yeah, uh, John. You got to switch your. You got to switch it over to uh, Austin. You got to switch your name if you want any. I I,
1: I was Austin. just having a chuckle at. Yeah. I got catfished, but yeah. I still went in for it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get some
2: yeah Austin we'll need some more details on the on the catfish dude listen um, one thing you could tell about Austin is that he likes to see things through for the better or worse that's right that's right he's like this is my bed i will lie in it or pretty much her bed um or his maybe he got i mean whatever again 2022 live your life listen Love dale life. i don't want to ruffle any feathers but don't go making any assumptions now that's that's true you know i'm a big pronoun guy over here Big pronoun uh, guy, big impossible guy too, big beyond yeah, guy. Yeah. 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 yeah so, <laughs> yes. So, all right, let's talk, let's switch, let's switch this, switch this up real quick. So we'll talk about impossible and beyond. Um, oh God. No, I'm going to, what? I'm going to plug my guy real quick. I'm going to plug my guy, um, my guy, Andrew Edwards. Um I've I've plugged him on my uh, not on the show but on my Instagram before. Those of you who are unaware, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Andrew Edwards uh, who wrote, in my opinion, one of the best novels of probably the last ten years. Uh, and if everybody, if you listen to my show, you know I'm a big reader. Uh, Andrew Edwards wrote a book called King of Dogs, and I, I love this book; it's fantastic. Um, but he has his own podcast as well called The War Horse Podcast, and he talks about this idea. Of the criminal of purpose, right? And he's going to message me and be like, "Stop talking about my shit. You don't know what you're talking about." But, um, but basically, you you know, um, you become exactly that—a criminal of purpose, where your idea is to live and exist amongst the world while creating and subverting the authorities that exist that are trying to bring the world down, right? Um, and one of these things. That I have personally chosen as my mission, my criminal of purpose mission is my war against the bugs, war against the fake meat, the beyond and in the impossible. So those of you who are not aware, when given the opportunity, when I go to the grocery store, I will take fake meat beyond or impossible, and I will either puncture it with my knife that I carry, or I will move it to a different part of the store and hide it because then they have to throw it away. It can't be sold, and I do that every time I go to the grocery store um, because I hate them and I don't think it's. I, I just again it leads to the degeneration of the self. So um, as my as my show sponsor, Stay Classy Meats, would thank me because they they have actual real meat that they sell <laughs> beyond an impossible. Uh, I am on a. Um, I have a little bit of a vendetta against them. So thank you for bringing that up.
1: Yeah, I uh, I did uh, remember having a conversation with you in the past in the DMs about this. Uh, un- unfortunately, look, man, I got to be real. I've I've seen my wife eat it in front of me countless Bro. times, and uh, I I gotta say, I think that there's something wrong about it, and I think very similar to McDonald's or really anything. Um, really see how this stuff was processed and made for etc uh i think people would rather pick up a hockey puck and throw it on the grill
2: yeah do you man all right we're gonna we're venturing into rogan style territory here do you think i mean given the way that our bodies are designed we're not meant to process stuff like that do you think Uh, I mean, I say that as I'm drinking a beer, which clearly doesn't exist in nature.
1: Well, I mean, it could, uh, (laughs) I, I get it, but I mean, like, think about it, like going back to what you said about TikTok and how it, it fucks with your neurotransmitters or whatever the case may be your receptors in terms of, you know, how you, uh, take in something and, and, and then digest it, uh, whether it's, it's neurologically or, or through the gut. Uh, I think that, Um, our bodies have had to adapt to some pretty fucked up things that we've put out as of lately. Um, You know, whether it's uh, even through our eyes, you know, we're constantly in front of lights. We're, we're constantly full of uh, stimulation because we're living in a simulation. And um, (laughs) you know, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of the game, man. So yeah, of course I think it's, it's dog shit, but to be real with you, man, like between plant-based food, uh vaping, oh, man, uh, long extended time, long extended time on screens and maybe one or two other things, bro. Our bodies have been have had to be a lot more resilient than we even understand.
2: So as you get older, and now that you're a dad, right? So like you have your you have your you have like the single version of you. Then you have the married version of you. Then you have the dad version of you, right? So now that you have the dad version, the married dad version of you, what's something that you've seen in yourself that you've had to like pivot or change from to like make better or something you want to pivot or change or make better? Oh God. I mean, uh, (laughs) there's, I'm bringing heat questions, bro. Give me something. Give me something good here. (laughs) Yeah. I well, you know what, I'm not
1: going to hit you with a cliche answer. I'm not going to talk about, oh, you know, uh, I woke up one day and realized I needed to work out more or I needed to watch my diet or I needed to get to bed early. One of the biggest things was, um, you know, how I viewed people around me and how I I viewed Hmm. my friends um, growing up, I used to be a very cutthroat individual and a friend with very high standards. If I didn't feel, feel like you met those standards, if I didn't feel like you were loyal enough or trustworthy enough or, you know, kind of had my best interests, uh, I would I would kind of cut you out. And, you know, after a while, as you get older, you start looking around and there's a lot less people all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I really needed to pull the reins on is is um, demand higher standards in myself and not from the people around me, except mm. them from who they are. If they don't have that much to offer me, that's fine. I know that I have more than enough to offer to myself. Uh, unfortunately, you got to kind of pick and choose what you want to get out of people and what you can get out of people. And uh, that's usually a better strategy than just kind of flipping the double double bird, fuck, fuck everybody, because then you realize you don't have anybody around you. So that to me was the biggest thing is uh, walking that fine line of being OK with being, uh, you know, with myself or just my family and um, and uh, not just pretty much sending everybody with a, with a thank you for coming postcard
2: and never come back again. So grace, so grace, you're pushing out grace on people.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yourself, you know, too. listen, I'm baptizing people every day, baby. But, you oh, I'm know, just
2: saying, I'm just saying I'm mean, that's what it is, though. That's what it well, is. To,
1: to, to an extent. I mean, yeah. grace, I, 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 I don't know there. I don't like to use the term grace because. Oh, uh, no, I'll tell you why. Because
0: okay.
1: there's a there's a there's a part of me that's like you shouldn't say that you're giving grace because there is a part of you that has like unrealistic standards. So it's sure. not, that you're being sure. graceful. It's like, you're just being less of a fucking dickhead. So <laughs> yeah. That's why that, that, that's, that's why. Um, so, yeah. you know, that, that's kind of where I got it. So that, that to me would be the biggest thing, not the cliche things. I think they'd, you know, and fortunately, you know, everyone's going to try their their first beer, watch their first porno, smoke yeah. their first joint, have sex. Everybody's going to experience these things or sure. and you can't stop those things. But, you know, um, constantly hitting that delete button like it's your Tinder profile uh, to the people in your lives. When you fast forward the time, you end up getting a, real scared at uh, realizing that you're going to have to tackle the rest of your life with a lot less people
2: around you. Yeah, it's it is difficult though because right there, there it there is a um to use a buzzword there's a dichotomy that exists right Ooh. yeah yeah um in that right where they say if you want to go fast you go alone if you want to go if you want to go far bring a friend right so you can go further bringing somebody with you however and I, I don't know how old you are I'm gonna be thirty seven next Tuesday um. I have found in my life that there is a certain demographic of friend that should probably not occupy the friend column anymore and move over to buddy or acquaintance. Not everybody stays in the worthiness of the same energy as a friend. It people can change Positions in your life. So to to your to piggyback on your point, um, the way that that's manifested for me, that exact same thing. When I did the same thing, uh, I've always kept my circle very small. I've always done that, Uh, from high school till professional career to to now. I've always kept my circle very small. Uh, This. This is the most um, uh, extroverted thing I do is podcasting. Mm. And again, it makes it, I do it because I'm comfortable here in my spot because I'm not actually there with you. Because if I was there with you, I could do the same thing, but then I would come home and then I couldn't do anything else for like two days. I would have to recharge this to, to do it um so i can't do i can't do it that way i've got i've got to like uh so i've always kept my circle very small but what one of the things that i've realized as i've got older is that not everybody has to have that same amount of energy and it's easier to manage myself internally if i put people in the proper columns like if I'm going out for drinks with people at work that aren't my friends but rather my buddies or my acquaintances, it doesn't take the same energy out of me as it does spending quality time with my friends or on the flip of that, somebody I don't know at all, which takes all my energy. Um, you got to put people in the proper category. So I, 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 to your point, I think you're. I think that's a great sense of growth in coming towards that
1: yeah definitely um why why do you feel though that uh once once they're uh in the friend category in the state that you're not the state but the point in your life that you're at
2: now why do you feel like you need two days after to recoup because I want to give the best I can of myself like I'm a hundred percent guy right so like um and granted, my hundred percent seems different based on other people's hundred percent But like so, case in point, um, my wife's making dinner tonight or was making dinner tonight, and she's like, I said, you know, I um she goes she's going to work and I uh after she was done and I said, you know, I gotta get the kids to bed. I said, I gotta I got a podcast to do tonight. She goes, Oh, you're doing your show tonight. I said, Yeah, she goes, I didn't think you would, like, our is tomorrow, you got Thanksgiving, like well, why are you doing a show? There's no, there's no there's not even fights this weekend. And I said, well, because I said I would, like I said, I would, you know, and and she's like, well, okay, well, who is it? Why? You know, what, what the, the question I said, well, you know, I explained who you are. And I said, well, because this is something yeah,
1: I got this white boy, Adam Kaplan. man. Yeah, I, I, said, <laughs> yeah.
2: I said, it's because I, it's something I said I would do. Right. So like, that's, that's who I am as a person. So like, if, if I'm, if I'm your friend, like if we are friends, it is the equivalent to, to not to be cliche, cliche, but like the, like the, you know, if you call me up and you're like, Hey, I need to bury a body. I'm asking whether or not you have a shovel. Like that's, that's how I am wired. So it's either that or I'm not answering your call. Like I don't have the in-between. I'll wait till it goes, the call stops. And then I'll text message you and say, Hey, what's up? What do you need? Like, those are my two speeds. So I need time after I see like my friends because like when I'm there I'm your dude like we're not I don't have my phone out we're not checking the gram there's no Twitter involved it's me and you we're locked in we're making it happen you know I what like I mean? that so um, but as a person who's a little bit on the introverted side even though we are bet like we are friends like that it still takes a little bit out of me because. I cannot, here's the other thing is I cannot hold you to that same standard that I hold myself. So it's easy. It may be easier for you to flip that back and go, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing tomorrow? I can't do that. Like, I need more of that. Like, I, I got to take tomorrow off. You know what I'm saying? So um I do every couple of years, I do a, a thing I call brocation where me and a bunch of guys I was in the military with, we all get together and we hang out for about a week in a cabin or we'll go someplace, we'll do whatever. And we hang out for a, a week um, and I do that, but then I'm fucking unplugged and antisocial for like a month after because right. I can't, I can't. And by the end of it, I'm agitated and irritated and like ready to kill everybody. Cause like by day six, I'm done. And day day seven we leave. You know what I mean. So that's that's just the way I'm wired, man. I just I I am, I'm a, I'm a hundred miles an hour or I'm dead stop when it comes to that. Right. Fence. So yeah, that
1: does that does make sense. Um, I wanted to ask you going back to what you said earlier about if if you want to go somewhere or whatever you want to go faster, go with people. Whatever the fuck. The thing if was. you want to
2: go fast, go alone. If you want to yes. go far, bring a friend.
1: Now, don't you find though everybody is so quick to say these days? Surround yourself uh, with uh, with with people that are smarter than you. Mm. Uh, show me your friends, and I'll show you who you are. And yeah. all of these all of these things. Yeah. And um, you know, all of those expressions are sometimes are always made for you to uh, look within, look look to the self, and kind of self reflect. Yeah. I get that, but on the flip side should we always be taking these expressions at at full full value because i think we could all agree that it's okay to have a friend that you have absolutely nothing in common with and 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 no idea no Real uh, premonitions to like start a company together or whatever the case may be. Sure. And another thing also is is like um, you know everybody is so eager to network, everybody is so eager to connect, Mm -hmm. but then when it comes to making an actual fucking meeting and talking real business, ain't nobody around.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So thoughts on that? Yeah. So so as a small business owner, um, so small business owner to small business owner, one of the things is that friends wanting discounts is a is a great point for this right um if you're my friend you won't ask me for my you won't ask me for a discount if you're my friend you will pay full price and people say well dale why why would you do that if you're my friend you should want to see me succeed you should want me to make money so why are you asking for me to give you the most of me for the least amount of you? That does not make sense to me. Now, the flip side of that, right? You have all the phrases, like you said, like I, the one I said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, bring a friend, uh, show me your five closest friends, or you're the sum of your five closest friends, you know, all these different things that people say, right? You can go from the, the Dale Carnegie's to the the coral icons, all, all these people that say all these things. But, but I will, I will say this is that, um, by yourself is possible. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's very hard by yourself is very, very hard. Um, and everybody is quick to network. And one of the things that you need to do in anything, in anything, podcasting, to small business relationships or whatever one you need to say yes more and then two stop looking at people transactionally some of the people that i'm the quickest to cut out are the people that view me as a transaction there's a time and a place for a transaction you work at the grocery store i come my bike, i buy groceries and then i leave you can view me as a transaction but if your interest to come on my show or to talk to me or ask me what I feel about something is to get my insight and then you bring nothing to the table after, I will give you my time. I will give you my attention, but you will never get anything more out of me out of that. So many people that I've I've interacted with online or I've done this or that or the other, I say, you know, they send me messages regularly. I chit chat up with them, whatever. You know What? You've never left me a review. You've never bought a decal on the store. You never donated whenever we did the charity drives. You didn't do any of this. So you consume, you consume, you consume. You take, you take, you take. You give nothing. So you view transactionally. And it, it, you may be listening to the show now, and some of some of you will hear this now. If the if you realize now that I've stopped messaging you back as much as you thought. Some of it might be because I'm not on Instagram as much, but some of it might be because you haven't done anything. You haven't brought value at all. So if you want to view me transactionally, I will put the value on you as well and view you as transactions. So to your point about people wanting networking and to bring this whole thing home, my, I, my thought process on this is that is one that you have to be willing to set a standard in what your expectations are for other people, but you also have to be thick-skinned enough to not be disappointed when they fail to meet those standards. Um, If I held everybody the same standard I hold myself, I'd be constantly disappointed in people because nobody expects more out of me than me and nobody is hurt more when I don't meet a goal than me. Like the shit that I haven't done doesn't hurt you the way it hurts me, and that's that sucks. And when I go to bed tonight, at night, I got to live with the shit I haven't done yet, the book I haven't finished, right, the phone call I never made. That's the shit I carry. You don't have to carry that. So when you view me as a transaction, you're taking you're you're taking a little bit of the last fuel I have left to power the shit that has to deal with that. So yeah, I don't. I, there, there is some power in those cliches, but a lot of it is you, and it's harder, and it's like that way for a reason.
1: Absolutely, and and what <laughs> what well, well, what makes it hard also is too though is, um, you know, especially when you're working in a very niche topic like MMA oh, or gosh. sports betting. Uh, you know, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, "Well, you know, I don't really watch fighting." You know, I don't really, I don't really know much yeah. about the fights. Yeah, I don't yeah. know this, and then it's the same person that goes, "Yo, man, I'm gonna slap a fiver on Izzy. What do you think, bro?" And right. I'm like, "I think your return value is garbage." Yeah, you know. So always those things, but uh, I, I, I just think that uh, it, I'm overwhelmingly curious sometimes about how all of these influencers and celebrities have, all, have backings from all these great teams around them all these great people who support them that want to see them do uh their absolute best but you know on the more micro scale on the more smaller scale of this industry uh it's uh it's a one-man
2: gang it, ultimately it is right and that, i mean that's one of that's one of the beautiful things right It it's it's beautiful in the way that like Tragedy can be beautiful is that it takes a whole team to get you into the ring. It takes a whole team to get you into the cage. But when you get into the ring, when you get into the cage, it's just you in there. It's just you. It's just you, right? So, like, I have my whole, I'll speak to you dad to dad here, right? You come home, you have the love and support of your wife, right? Your son looks at you and he sees you as perfection personified. Okay. You have his undying support. Then you go to work and it's just you. That paycheck that you bring home, that's yours to bring home. Nope. They're not there helping you with that. It's up to you to close. It's up to you to, to whatever your job is, right? Nobody's driving that forklift, but you, nobody's closing that sale, but you, nobody's, nobody's drafting that document, but you, that's you. That's you. It took the team to get you there, right? When you go home, the team's there to support you, nourish you, love you, refuel you. But when you go back into the cage, when you go back into the ring, when you go back into your office, when you go back into the conference room, it's fucking you. It's you. And if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. If not who, it has to be you. That's it. That's it. So... You know, you have these fighters that are in these situations. You have these people that are in this space. It's got to be you every time, man. Um, you can, you know, th- th- there's there's so much about what people like you, like the guy I had on last week, like Lou, like my brother that comes on, like Trey when he was on. You, They all bring something. People that listen to the show, people that buy the t-shirts, that do all these things, they all fucking contribute to whatever it is that comes next, but ultimately it's you that has to make it happen. Yeah. And you know what, if I stopped doing this show tomorrow, the fucking world would keep on spinning and it would not matter. It, it the, the, the ripple would be small. The ripple would be very small. It's up to you to increase the size of your ripple, man. And you know, you, that's, that's ultimately what it is. So, and, um, the people that get you there feel it more than anybody else. And the more people that help you along the way, and the more people that you that you bring into that process, and the better you execute, the bigger that ripple becomes. No doubt.
1: No doubt, the bigger it comes. And, and one of the things is too, is you've got to get used to perhaps getting uh, support and elevated by those that you've never met before versus people that are closest to you. And that's, yeah. Uh, just kind of the game. And uh, you know, one of the best parts about it is, though, is that uh, to a to a greater degree, it's free. you <laughs> have to, you have the accessibility to yeah. people from around all uh, around all of the world to talk about, you know specific topics that you know you won't really be able to find perhaps uh, of interest in your social circle. So that really makes it kind of cool, too. So, You know, there's ups, there's downs, whatever it is. But I I, I do think that, uh, you know, especially after the Joe Rogans and the Spotify deal and whatever, I think that people think like the second you have a podcast, you're ready to monetize in half of a second. But like people don't really understand how much work it takes to actually monetize. And most importantly, Dale, the biggest thing is, is people don't realize like I was listening to a podcast with Mr. Beast on it. Are you familiar with it?
2: Yeah, I'm familiar with this guy.
1: So Mr. Beast was like, dude, I don't care how many likes you have, how many subscribers, how many this, how many that. The number one thing that matters is audience retention. Mm. Like, dude, me and you, Dale, we could go back to our wives after and be like, bro, I had the best two and a half hours of my life. It was so much fun. And then we checked the retention after and the average listener was there for a minute. You're kind of like, but we were on for two hours. That's not fucking good. You know what I mean? So- It's, um, it's, uh, it's amazing though, how, how Mr. Beast put it, like, even though you think like the views and the subs are where it should be, then there's another metric that you're not thinking of. That's the most important. And that to me is cool.
2: Do you think though, that stuff like that metrics like that are more important for based on scale? Like for me, like I've been podcasting for four years in one, one way or another. Uh, punch list is two years old now for me it becomes more so like i'm still at the point where views matter to me sure um comments i don't care about but views and reviews the views if you will views and reviews are what matter to me still um retention is one thing i i I completely get with your retention. one of the things that's interesting about this show this whole thing's very meta talking about myself like this um is that there are there is a core group of folks that are like ride or die, like a very core group, and most of them know who they are. And if I haven't acknowledged them publicly, um, I'm acknowledging them now, that no matter what, no matter what I ask, no matter what I say, no matter what the, the call to action is, they participate, right? Like I got John Annick on this show because of people that listen to this show. Right. We donated $1,400 to tornado relief in Kentucky based on this show, people donating. I can't do that by myself. Nice. I can't do that. That's the thing that happened. Right. We were able to, like, I was able to secure a sponsorship with a clothing company that made custom t shirts for us, put them on their website, sold them under their umbrella handled shipping and and, and everything for us amazing because of the people that listen to this and participate in this right um so retention does matter a little bit yeah but i think ultimately and this isn't to this isn't to counteract your point but a guy like mr beast that has 80 million youtube subscribers maybe retention matters to him because maybe he's getting paid by cost per milli based on how how long they're viewing episodes because that's how many ads run through it. But for me, I need to be able to go to Stay Classy at the end of the month and say, I had 50,000 downloads this month. And they go, perfect, let's go in another month. I need to go to Manscaped. I need to go to Allegiance and go, this is what I had. And then they go, Awesome. This is what will pay you for that. I don't, they don't care how long did the average person listen to you. They don't care about that. They care about how, when you, when you did the fight companion, how many people tuned in? When you did the live stream, how many people tuned in? Audio and video, how many watched? How many tuned in? They don't care. I send them the number on my, on my downloads. That's what they care about. So stay classy, Allegiance, Manscaped. Bet online. who the fuck else has sponsored me throughout the years? These other people that have sponsored me. When I, when I tell them, you yeah, had 50000 downloads and I had it in 26 different countries, they go, here's your check. That's what they care about. And that's what I care about. Now, if I get to the point where YouTube's paying me based on how many ads are watched throughout the course of my video, then I care about retention. Then I care about those things.
1: I like that. It's a so, good explanation, actually.
2: Yeah, I think... I think your problems are scalable to your <laughs> to your size, <laughs> and those ain't my problems yet, bro. Maybe one day they will be.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, no that that does make sense to me. It 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 absolutely does. Indeed, for sure. I think that that is the best way to look at it. And different uh, YouTubers or or different content creators have different business models, so that
2: definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah. most importantly, like when you get to the sponsorship realm, and this is where I'm just talking in, in generalities, I'm not trying to tell you something you don't already know. You get paid by promo code, or you get paid by what they call cost per milli, which is, a, is not million, but um, basically by whatever determinate amount. So, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 downloads will pay you X amount of money. So when you negotiate your your sponsorship, um, that's how you know those are the two things you go after. So if you're a promo code guy, you get a piece based on each promo code or each sale with that promo code. And if you're a Millie guy or gal, um, you go by that, or if you're me, you do both. So but that's you know, it's just a matter of what you what you push for. But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a grind, man. It's a it's a different. It's a different kind of thing. Anybody that's ever messaged me about podcasting, I've always said, do it. Fucking do it. Do it. I, I recorded my first show in a in my truck using my phone on anchor. If anybody who doesn't know yep. what anchor is, I used anchor. That's where I started out. Yeah. My first episode got a hundred downloads. I thought you dude, you couldn't tell me shit. I walked on water for a week. I I got a hundred downloads. My very first episode. I was like, this, I'm I'm I am Joe Rogan. I am that's you very impressive, you though. Can't, you can't tell downloads. me anything.
1: Dude, like, you can't tell me
2: anything.
1: You can't tell me anything, bro. Nothing. That's very impressive, though. A hundred downloads. What What do you use to check your metrics for Spotify and Apple Music?
2: Um, so i I was approached by a company called Red Circle um, a while back, and they have like a fully interfaced dashboard. Um, where basically you upload your RSS feed to them and then they blast it out everywhere and then they give you your metrics back. Um, So uh, I host my podcast on theirs and they don't charge me for it. I think it's like 29 bucks a month, something like that, 30 bucks a month if you didn't. Um, But... Uh, one of the things that they ask when you do that is that you cross promote their shows. I've never done it. It's been two years now. I've never done it and they don't check it. So (laughs) if they ever, if they ever do, I will. Um, But I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever do it. So they they basically give you the, they, they allow you to put insertion points in Um, and you can do two different things. Right. You can do insertion points for ads, like, you know, for whatever it is that they do and they'll pay you for it. Or you can do insertion points for other shows and they'll let you continue to do it for free. And I told them that I would, and I just never have because I don't like being told what to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: I'm just naturally fucking rebellious. I don't like being told what to do. So That is funny. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But they do it. Every, I mean, I'll. I'll we'll, we'll talk offline. I'll get you. I can get you squared away with them. We'll see what we can do um but anyway let's put a bow on this bad boy dude i appreciate you coming on um tell the people where they can find you and what your schedule looks like so that way you know people can tune in and follow you wherever absolutely uh you can find me at the ac radio on instagram
1: at adam kaplan 13 on instagram and twitter as well and uh or wwwyoutubecom Uh We're out every Tuesday with a new episode on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Music. You could bet ninety-five percent of the time we're talking about MMA or boxing, and then uh, the other five to ten percent is usually fitness and motivation related. We also have a, a nice Q and A segment. So. Anything that you want to ask me, fight related, fitness wise or motivation wise, uh, to get those wise words from your boy AC, all you got to do is drop a question at DAC Radio on Instagram. And Dale, I got to be real with you, man. I really appreciate you having me on. I know that you've been in the game here for a couple of years longer than me. Um, I think I cold called you uh, a, year, a couple of months ago asking you to collaborate. And, uh, you know, you 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 were actually the one who showed me grace because you could have told me to go fuck myself. But (laughs) that was pretty nice that you, uh, you know, uh, hung on, asked me a few nice questions for my show and then, you know, had me on. And, uh, you know, I hope next time I'll be able to flex my MMA muscle a bit more. I think that we, uh, you know, we're we're on the turkey talk, which is good. good. I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I, I I had a blast indeed. I hope that the I hope the viewers like me because I know your uh, your viewers have very high standards from what yeah. I'm told.
2: So here's the thing, one, um, just just so you know, the fact that you take your show seriously. Um, when I I get messages again, I hate sounding like this, but I get messages like especially when Trey quit. I'd love to be your co-host. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. If I look at your shit and you're recording in your bedroom, I know that my office looks like a mess right now, but like you're recording in your bedroom and I look at your Spotify or your Apple or whatever, and you're barely putting shit out and it's three weeks in between shows and stuff like that. You're not somebody that I'm I'm looking for uh, or that I'm looking at. So your professionalism, your setup, all that stuff was like, okay, this guy, yeah, Then I listen to your stuff and I'm like, okay, this guy's not an idiot. He knows what he's talking about. So that's another thing too. And then the flip side of that is, is also that there's a time and a place for straight up MMA talk, right? But not a lot of people that come on in particular, my brother is not his speed at all. Um, He does not like talking about anything outside of the realm of betting and what we're talking about. So the idea of you, of you coming on the show I was always looking for either a card or an opportunity where you and I could just talk more than anything else. Because so much of what your show is, when I've listened to it, is more than just fight, more than just betting, more than just it. it's it's more it's more growth. It's more personal development. It's more um, growth of self, entrepreneurship, you know, motivation, like you've said. It's those things. And that ultimately, anybody that's talked to me on the DMs knows that that's what I like to talk about the most, the most. So um, whenever the opportunity presented itself where I was like, oh, you and I can talk and we can just talk. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. And of course, I'll have you back on and we can talk about fights one night too. So that way you can... Flex the MMA muscle as you said. Uh, but yeah, for sure. That's yeah, but this was by design.
1: <laughs> for sure. But at the same time, I think that uh positive psychology and personal development and and personal growth and all of those things are conversations that I'll basically go to uh uh the very end uh talking about because I I do believe that the moment you um lose that hunger or even that anxious feeling for the pursuit of growth is uh, the first time you die in your life.
2: Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, let me let me ask you this. Are you a reader before I let you go? Are you a reader? So it's I'll tell you one okay if I'll, you're not.
1: I'll t- I'll tell you something, Dale. Every time I pick up a book and I read, I get this feeling inside of me that's telling me, kid, you're doing the right fucking thing. Keep reading. Okay. But I don't read much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right fair enough fair enough uh is there let, let got know. a
1: book downloaded right now if you're interested what is it you just get the title i forgot <laughs> as, as, as they say in the uk dickhead yeah, yeah. uh let's see here do it's from uh ryan holiday the daily Stoic.
2: delete it don't just delete it delete Gosh, it fuck bro why Holiday's a fucking scam Why? Let's talk about it. Holiday is a scam. He literally reg. So first of all, Holiday's first book he ever wrote was called "Trust Me, I'm Lying." Okay, and he basically goes on to talk about how he, as a marketing manager, all he did was just lie to people to get them to buy products. Okay, so then what does he do? He takes those same principles that he has, right, and he applies them to the idea of stoicism. Where all he does is he just repackages the ideas, the thoughts, the meditations of Marcus Aurelius, uh Cicero, all these people. He just repackages them and Seneca, just tries, maybe. Huh? Seneca. Yep. Another great one. And then literally repackages them in modern day language and tells you he's doing it. And then people act act as though he's some gigantic, like, like authority in the in, in the matter. But mm-hmm. if you read his books in succession, he literally tells you, I'm going to become a fraud and just package somebody else's work. You could really literally just read their work and get the same thing I'm getting that I got from it. Fuck that is saltier
1: than the Dead Sea, Dale. I don't love <laughs> <like> that so- <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. I'm I don't fucking, I don't like that I, because you, you I'll be honest like with you, guy. Dale. That
1: is one thing that I've always had a huge issue with with marketing is that I, I find for the most part it's it's like you're you're lying to me. The food never looks like that when I come to the restaurant. The yes. yes. waitress is never that hot, she never smiles at me that much. Yes. yes. Uh you know, I don't know. Uh, I could go on and on, whatever the examples are. So that to me is an interesting thing. One thing that I will say is um I remember just looking at the guy and kind of being like. Fucking creeped out. No, just kind of like. (laughs) No, just kind of looking at him, like sizing him up. Like, are you really that sick though? Like, do you really, like, do you really, like, I don't know. Like, you've never been mad in your life. Like, you really like walk, like walk on water. Like, I don't get it. And, which leads me to something. I know you wanted to go, but I'm opening up a quick can of worms right now. Joe Rogan. Okay. Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. Is Joe Rogan able to actually take criticism from people or does Joe Rogan uh, have that intimidation factor that kind of repels people from actually telling him how they truly
2: feel about scenarios? Joe Rogan is what I like to call an asshole. Okay. And an asshole is somebody that wants to know your opinion on everything, but then does nothing with it. They are an energy leech. That's the first time I've ever heard that. You cannot tell an asshole anything. You can answer their questions, but you can't tell them anything and you can't teach them anything. Oh, now I get you. So Joe Rogan absorbs information, but he doesn't, he doesn't, you can't teach him anything. He's also wired the same way like an engineer is right. And I don't know whether that's left brain, right brain. I forget the way it works is that he's unable to absorb humor or intellect or insight. That's not his own. He can retain the fact of it, but he can't internalize it and process it himself because there's no way. Let me, let me tread this part carefully here. Um, they say that the mark of intelligence is being able to hear an adverse opinion other than your own and not be affected by it. So you could make the argument that Joe Rogan is highly intelligent, but I would counter argue and say that Joe Rogan is not affected by the, the opinions of his that are different based on the fact that he's unable to be taught anything. The only way that Joe Rogan learns or is taught anything is if he teaches it to himself because he always reverts back to something that he knows personally yeah. And if it's not something he knows personally, he specifically name drops the person who said the thing that he then says, right? He'll go, Well, Graham Hancock said this, not a developed, expounded upon idea of his own based on the information that he was given. So Joe Rogan is an asshole. Interesting.
1: <laughs> I uh I I I always had very strong opinions on Joe uh around the Sober October episodes because that's when you really start to see the uh you know a little bit of the douchiness in him mm. uh, when he's kind of like you know he's got guys like Burt Kreischer that are like drinking Kool Aid eleven months of the year and then one month of the year they don't want to drink Kool Aid and it's like it's still not good enough what those guys are doing in the eyes of Joe, you know what I mean? Which I always, uh, which I always found quite interesting. I do agree with you. I don't think he is somebody that I feel like you could actually teach him something. And I do have to say, I would probably, I got a weird feeling that every time Joe's not in the room, he's the guy that's being, you know, talked about a little bit because they just need to get something off their chest about like, uh,
2: yes. you know, how he always thinks he's the man. Yes. If you want to see something very if if cringe is your thing, watch watch any of the YouTube videos where Joe Rogan shows up on the Kill Tony, Tony Hinchcliffe roasts where he doesn't understand that people are making fun of him. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't get it.
1: So I I just type in Kill Tony roast Joe Rogan.
2: Yep. Yeah. Or just Kill Tony and Joe Rogan. It's it'll keep you entertained for hours. I like that. So. All right tuesdays ac radio adam kaplan i appreciate you come on on coming on buddy
1: you got it dale thank you so much man i'm looking forward to the next one and yep. uh you know thanks for having me on stay classy meats maybe you'll send me a couple of steaks <laughs> even though i'm vegan and uh, we'll get it done
2: baby oh dude you are just oh, hold on stay on after the fact i'm gonna hit end broadcast i'm stuff. fucking joking bro come <laughs> no. on man. okay i was gonna say the fuck look at the
1: size of me bro <laughs>